Hello, my name is Alan Knapp, and I'm an editor for Functional Ecology. And today I'm visiting with Brad Butterfield from Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. Brad is the lead author on a paper titled, A Functional Comparative Approach to Facilitation and Its Context Dependence. Brad, congratulations on the paper and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Alan. So let's begin with you providing us some background um, on the role of facilitation in structuring communities, and particularly if you could tell us how you became interested in facilitation. Uh, sure. Yeah, so um, just a little background first. Um, so one way that people often think about communities or how communities are assembled is a set of species that can all kind of pass through what's called an environmental filter. I'll have characteristics that allow them to deal with a certain set of environmental conditions. And you can kind of think of facilitation as a way of expanding or relaxing that environmental filter, allowing species to occur in a particular habitat that they otherwise might not have the characteristics that allow them to deal with that environment, or at least not at high abundances. And what led to my interest in facilitation was that I, I did my dissertation research in the Sonoran Desert. And in that particular ecosystem, um, there's really striking spatial patterns that pop out at you visually. You see a whole lot of species where juveniles really only occur underneath the canopies of other species. Uh, so it was pretty clear that these types of positive interactions were important. Um, what I think is also interesting, though, is there are a whole lot of other systems where facilitation is much less visually apparent, but nonetheless plays really strong roles in the dynamics and the uh, diversity of these plant communities. So your paper is about taking this trait-based approach to the study of facilitation, and you mentioned that although this approach has been widely used in understanding competition and community assembly, it really hasn't been used much to try and understand facilitation and its role. Um, why do you think this is the case? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. One, uh, which we often just use for facilitation in general, is that uh, it's only been studied intensively for the last maybe 15, 20 years. Years, and there's a much longer history of competition and ecology and evolution research. Um, another reason is that you know, oftentimes facilitation is thought of as sort of a, a corollary to competition, and, and a lot of trait-based research and competition is based on this idea of limiting similarity, that species that are functionally very similar to one another uh, are much more likely to compete strongly. And the corollary to that doesn't really fit for facilitation. Just because two species are very dissimilar from one another doesn't mean they're likely to engage in positive interactions. So I think there's been, had to be some um, more development of, of ideas based on facilitation alone, not really stemming from being the opposite end of the spectrum from competition per se. So, so your your argument in this paper is we need to take a trait-based approach for understanding facilitation. Can you can you summarize for us the, the basic conclusions or findings from your work? Sure. Um, and first of all, you know, I think one of the reasons why a trait-based approach is useful is because it allows us to be more general. We can get away from species-specific patterns to look at more general trait-based approaches. Um, so what we did was, uh, my, my colleague and I, Ray Calloway, uh, we thought, well, maybe if we just look at a few traits that have been studied a lot, there might be some information from the, the trait literature in terms of how species respond to environmental gradients or environmental factors that could provide some insight into facilitation. So we focused on three traits, uh, specific leaf area, height, and seed mass, which are really commonly measured traits and important in a lot of systems. And we asked 
since facilitation is basically a modification of the local environment, we asked, okay, what are the general patterns of how species respond to factors like soil moisture or temperature extremes based on, on their trait values? And we did find two rather general uh, patterns, which is kind of interesting, because we looked at a lot of different facilitative mechanisms. We found that in general, uh, species with greater potential height almost always benefit from facilitation. But where things diverged is that uh, we found that responses to more pulsed or disturbance-driven dynamics versus more persistent stress had very different predictions for seed mass and specific leaf area. So we found that in systems uh, where uh, benefits from neighbors were gleaned from uh, amelioration of periodic stresses, such as precipitation pulses in deserts, uh, extreme seasonality of temperature or physical disturbances, species with large seeds and, and low specific leaf area, so a slow turnover functional strategies, tend to benefit more from neighbors, whereas in more persistently stressful environments, it tends to be smaller seeded, uh, high SLA species. And so we find some relatively general predictions as to how we think species might respond to neighbors in terms of benefits. Um, now, that's not to say that the same patterns are going to hold for other traits uh, or that these predictions are going to hold across all systems. But I think the important thing is that it's likely to spur more empirical research into uh, the trait basis of facilitation. Great. And so that leads to the next question, which is, which is speaking of spurring additional research, near, near the end of your paper, you talk about the need for using manipulative experiments and, and greater sampling of functional traits in, in order to move us forward. Can you elaborate a bit on, on perhaps the types of experiments ecologists might want to be doing to, to help us better understand facilitation? Sure. I think there's two things. First, aside from um, manipulative experiments, uh, you know, we we do live in this age now where trait data are being accumulated really rapidly, and we have a lot of data. Um, there's been a lot of quote-unquote global-scale analyses of trait data. But there's also some huge holes, in particular in arid and semi-arid ecosystems, um, but also just in low-productivity ecosystems in general. We don't have trait data for a lot of species. So these mm -hmm. gaps need to be filled in, first of all. Um, second, we're increasingly inferring community assembly patterns based on observational studies of community composition and functional composition. And with any kind of, as with any kind of observational studies, multiple processes could lead to similar patterns. In particular, uh, facilitation and uh, less restrictive environmental filters can both result in similar trait-based patterns, as can uh, competitive limiting similarity and habitat heterogeneity. So to tease apart these different mechanisms that produce similar patterns, I think we can do some really simple experiments, just simple neighbor removals, your move plants and see how the neighbors do. Now, conceptually, that's very similar. Empiric very simple. Um, empirically, that could be uh, quite a chore. But I think these types of experiments are going to be really useful in um, enhancing our current observational uh, based studies. So, so what's next for you personally with regard to facilitation? Do you, do you have additional research planned in this area? Mm -hmm. so, uh, so along with Ray Calloway, my, my co-author on this paper, uh, Ray kind of put together this uh, really great huge group of alpine ecologists from around the world. And we just, we're just wrapping up a study using cushion plants, alpine cushion plants as model systems for studying facilitation. Uh, 
some of that work's coming online that takes both a, a functional and phylogenetic and a species diversity-based approach. Um, I'm also currently working on studying desert plant communities from the perspective of interaction networks. So looking at how facilitative and competitive networks within communities are similar or differ from one another, and perhaps more importantly, how different species link these uh, positive and negative sub-networks and communities, and using a functional trait-based approach to try to understand how traits of species determine um, who they interact with and how that scales up to influence overall network structure. Well, that sounds great, Brad. Well, thanks very much for visiting with us, and best of luck in your research. Thanks, Alan.